0: Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest-running EOS podcast. Thank you yeah. for showing up, for showing your smiling face, for coming in and watching us talk about everything that happened in EOS over the last week and all of the exciting news to come. Before we get started, remember, if you are coming to the Everything EOS event on May 31st, be sure to RSVP at everythingeos.io slash b1june and get some of that merch at everythingeos.io. As a reminder also, please do hit the like button, hit subscribe, you can really help us out by leaving a comment on the video, and of course, liking the video as well. But. I think what's super, super exciting, something coming up in the near future is B1 June. We are two weeks away now. It's crazy the time has flown that quickly. Two more weeks to figure out what it is Block. One is going to come out with. What do you think, Zach?
1: Well, uh, I I know we have a script here, but we kind of got to go out of order because I'm in New York City still. It is Thursday morning. So blockchain week basically ended. I am that we're recording this in the morning because I'm at an Airbnb (laughs) and I got to check out in about an hour. But as far as B1 June predictions, like you said, two weeks to go until B1 <laughs> June, and even less than that until the E.E. May 31 event, <laughs> or whatever we want to call it. And that, that, that's the uh, event we're hosting. Uh, it's at the Beer Garden Haas in Washington, D.C. Uh, we do ask that you RSVP. It's the day before B1 June in Washington, D.C. It's at everythingeos.io front slash B1 June. That'll take you to the Eventbrite site. We want you to RSVP. And uh, I'm here for Blockchain Week in New York City, uh, Tuesday night, uh, Carbon and Icon uh, sponsored an event. So I was at like an EOS event um, and around a lot of EOS people. So I I, I guess let me kick this off because this is like speculation we haven't heard anywhere before. And and like we could talk about the wallets, EOS IO 2.0, B1's roadmap. I I think that stuff's all basically confirmed. I think we're going to get all of that stuff. But this one's brand new. Uh, so I was at the carbon event on uh, Tuesday night, our carbon and icon, and I, I ran into some people who uh, knew a little bit about Tomorrow BC. And for those who don't remember, Tomorrow BC was the very first EOS VC announced uh, last January. W- where was that event? at? That was whenever we were, in, uh, we were in Colorado and we stayed up till like at like four in the morning to watch the live stream. And that's whenever uh, oh, yeah. I think they announced it at Tomorrow BC. <laughs> Right so, in
0: Hong Kong, I think it was that presentation.
1: So the, so, what happened was they were the first EOS VC announced their $50 million fund. Um, but the reason I, I thought they kind of disappeared is because in May 2018 was the last time a tweet was made from, from their Twitter account. And then if you go to vc.eos.io, they're not listed as a, a VC partner on there. So I just figured uh, wow. I figured maybe something happened. Uh, may, maybe like it fell through, but it did not. They're working in stealth mode, and it, it seems like they have some big announcements coming up in the next couple weeks, possibly, if you know what I mean. Oh, uh, wow. I, I, I That's mean, super I don't know. Exciting. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a B1 June thing necessarily, but it could have been. Like, they're not going to tell me everything, but I, I keep beating around the bush here. Why don't you remind everyone uh, why Tomorrow BC is actually a really, really, really big deal?
0: Definitely. So I think we we all have heard of Google or Alphabet, the you know, parent company of Google. And uh, one of the co-founders of Alphabet and Google, Eric Schmidt, is actually involved with Tomorrow BC in some way. So Derek Rendell is the actual fund manager. He's sort of managing these funds on behalf of... Uh, I keep getting him confused with Larry Page, but it's Eric Schmidt. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he's sort of managing funds on behalf of Eric Schmidt in uh, this Tomorrow BC... Uh, he's Not also see it's tomorrow BC,
1: but he's the man. He's a managing partner of both So that's the connection is Derek Rundell oh, okay. is a managing partner of tomorrow VC, which is Eric Schmidt's basically like personal uh, Investment fund. So the same manage managing partner of that Launched this EOS VC partner called tomorrow BC like tomorrow blockchain. So it has like it's not just that he's a managing partner of both, he's also kind of taking a play on the name. So it's like that association right. also. And uh, in the original Block 1 press release about this, uh, they actually got a quote from Eric Schmidt for it, which was interesting. And That was, that was kind wow. of a big deal. So that's really, really big news if uh, they have stuff that's been going on in stealth mode. We, we, we all talk about Peter Thiel. Like Peter yeah. Thiel is this big honcho in Silicon Valley. He's got Trump's ear. He's on the board of Facebook, amongst other like um, I guess uh, advisory boards for like uh, government intelligence and all that stuff. We talk about Peter Thiel plenty. I, I think everyone uh, understands uh, the impact that he could potentially have on either B1 June or just Block One in general. He's a strategic partner. But Eric Schmidt, man the CEO, former CEO of Alphabet and Google. And so here, here's where we can, get to come. we can get into some conspiracy theories of a block one tie-in, but um, I, I don't want to say that this is all truth because I'm, I'm just speculating here. But um, so the Tomorrow BC announcement was made in January 2018, and a few weeks prior to that was whenever Eric Schmidt stepped down as CEO of Alphabet. But he, he oh, con- wow. He continued to be on the board of Alphabet up until huh. April 30th this year. He stepped down from the board of, of, of Alphabet. So, oh, April
0: 30th, 2019, as in like j- a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Wow, so, that is interesting timing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's highly likely all of this is coincidental, and he stepped down from the Alphabet board for other reasons. If you uh, Google the news, you could see some of the reasons in the mainstream news of why they think he stepped down. But the conspiracy theorist in me wants to believe that he stepped down because he's going to join Block One and maybe lead their Washington, D.C. office or something. We'll we'll, we'll oh, see what wow. happens with that. Can you because imagine, he, Can he, he you imagine does, Eric
0: Schmidt joining B1? That would be crazy.
1: I mean, even if it's like an advisor or something like we don't know, like yeah. the behind the scenes advisors of this company, like we don't know if Peter Thiel, like, uh, like. Meets with like a board like we would we could almost assume that block one has a board of directors, right? They're, like, they're not a right. public company, but they well, are
0: To be fair also I mean when if you had told me say a week before the Peter Thiel announcement that Peter Thiel had made an investment in block one And you know, this is this guy was the first investor in Facebook So he's good at, at picking out these early stage opportunities one of the world's best VCs um, if you told me, hey, he's going to be joining block one and investing, I'd be like, no, that's not going to happen. Like, This is the, one of the best investors in the world. Like, Why would he come <laughs> over and, and invest over here? And the conspiracy side in my brain would have loved that. But now that it's actually real, I guess anything really is possible. I mean, maybe Peter Thiel will be
1: the, the next seat on that board. Man, we're, we're going way off script. We're going to have to skip some things here, Rob. But I have some more conspiracies now that we're talking about Peter Thiel and uh, Eric Schmidt. Did you know that Peter Thiel uh, in 2014 awarded Vitalik with a $100,000 fellowship award.
0: What? Vitalik yeah. Buterin from Ethereum?
1: Yeah. So like, really, that's I, interesting. I've seen speculation, like Dan said, he's offered Vitalik a job, and we've seen all that speculation. I don't think Vitalik's joining Block Hunter or EOS. But, I don't think so either. But the opportunity is there. It's, if he ever wanted to come over to the light and the good side, it, it, they would welcome him with, him with open arms. So, uh, I, I guess that's it for speculation. Uh, yeah, well, and speaking
0: sorry. of Vitalik, I, I know that Vitalik wasn't actually at Consensus this year at Blockchain Week in New York. Where you are, I thought it was kind of interesting, but uh, I heard you had some other stories, maybe uh, another crypto figure <laughs> that you bumped into?
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I, I got in, and we didn't have a hotel or a, this Airbnb booked until, like, last minute. So we're, like, all just hanging out around, like, the hotel lobbies around Consensus and... Freaking Charles Hoskinson walks walks in. He's like. <laughs> from Cardano, I, I, ADA. Uh, and like, I, I'm with Evan and Pete, and I'm like, I, I debated so hard if I should troll him because we had cameras, we had microphones. <laughs> like, I was like, man, should I just like walk up to him and troll him really bad? I'm wearing like my EOS IO, like car, uh, Patagonia from like the hackathon. Like, I'm completely nice. decked out in, in EOS gear. And I didn't do it though. I'm not, I'm not an asshole like that. Uh, he was with, um, Uh, with some guys from an STO platform so I guess we could spill his beans I'm not gonna say who the company was but they're talking about some STO stuff I don't know if it has to do with Cardano uh, but yeah I, I didn't bother him I mean that's, that's that's probably for trash. the best. I yeah. mean, you got to,
0: as much as we love or hate Charles Hoskinson, you definitely have to respect all the people in the industry. So I think yeah. that's good that you left him alone in real life. You can send him a funny tweet, but in real yeah. life, uh, give, give him some space. So that's good. Yeah,
1: and he's just like a regular guy. I mean, he's a smart guy. He's just kind of a douchebag, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, my, my uh, favorite story with him is still when we were at Token Summit, and I think this was back in 2017, and he came up to the booth, and we had all these different, like, heads. Like, we had Dan Larimer's head,
1: and... Uh, uh, who else did we have? Yeah, Vitalik so like in a
0: bunch of people. Yeah, you we want to tell the, the story?
1: yeah, we had these like giant heads like on a stick. So you'd like, if you yeah. wanted to take a selfie, you'd be like hold, holding uh, th- this face up over yours. And it, we had like this Mount Rushmore of like influencers w- w- within uh, crypto. So we had like Vitalik, we had Andreas, and then we had some bad ones too. We had like John McAfee, and then we had like um, Mark Carpelis, K- and we had Dan Larimer, obviously. Um, and it was like 9 a.m. The conference like wasn't even started yet, so it's just like the, the the we're all setting up, and this guy comes up to our booth, and he's looking through all the heads, and he's like, "Where where where's mine?" And your brother Mike Finch, he's like, uh, so um, I'm messing the story up, but Charles, Charles Hoskinson was like holding the Dan head, the giant Dan head in his hands, and he's like, "Where's mine?" And then your brother Mike had no idea who he was. He didn't read his lanyard or anything. He didn't recognize him. He's like. Uh, you could be Dan for a day <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and then, <laughs> God. I, I mean it, it was actually so much funnier in real life and I told that story so bad but it was just so funny because like we hear about Absolutely. this like rivalry that they have and like you don't know how serious it is and if they really don't like each other but like the fact that he is holding Dan's head of all of the heads on the table he's like holding it and it's like where's mine at Kind of like, do you, do you know who I am? Who is that? Whenever he did that to the customer support of someone, there
0: was some customer support tweet. He was like, "I'm Charles Hoskinson, founder of like Ethereum and Cardano. Like, you gonna make me email the customer support?" And I think it was MetaMask <laughs> or something, and they were like, "Yes, we are." <laughs> like that's the process.
1: Yeah. So so that was a cool experience, just kind of seeing them. I mean, there's a second. I've seen them before. Uh, I saw the uh, the Winklevoss twins. They had a bus outside of uh, Consensus, and they're nice. uh, filming something. I saw. I saw what? a
0: lot of press for Gemini at the event. They had this booth called Spedin, like spend with the. everybody's doing this oh reverse my. letter thing ever since HODL. What was that all about? Like they were, you could buy stuff got, with I, crypto, I, I
1: guess? Well, if you have a uh, special promo code, which is on the, the back of this paper, you have an early invite code for uh, Spedin. But that's how it works. So basically, uh, Gemini is just like Coinbase. It's a big exchange. It's Highly regulated, uh, completely legitimate. And if you hold funds in your Gemini wallet and they don't have EOS, which is the reason I'm I'm not completely sold on this, but I I, I do want to try it. (laughs) If you hold money in Gemini, so your Ethereum, EOS, or not not Ethereum, um, or not EOS. um, So if you have like Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin Cash maybe, uh, or they have a stable coin too. I forget what the Gemini coin's called, but they have their own stable coin. So if you hold any of this uh, crypto or stable coin in your Gemini wallet, uh, you could basically connect your Gemini wallet with this Spedin app. And then you can go to all of these stores. So uh, Whole Foods, Starbucks, Home Depot, GameStop, Lowe's, a bunch of oh, other ones. Oh, wow. So y- if it's crypto, you designate like which ones you want to do a sell order on. If like If I buy $10 of Whole Foods, then it will sell $10 worth of Bitcoin, for example. Or if I have stable coins, I could use it almost like a bank. And the way it works at the cash register is like, the the employee doesn't even know you're using crypto uh it pulls up a a barcode on on your phone and they scan that and it as far as the cash register is concerned it's the same as a gift card and so oh wow so that's basically how the register takes it in is like a gift card and That's it works pretty crazy i
0: mean that the amount of whole foods and starbucks and home depots and game stops and Lowe's, all the places that are supported with this there are tens of thousands of those stores if you add all of those up so this is this is huge i mean When I go to Starbucks, I pay with the app and it it very much is that system, like a a barcode pops up in the Starbucks app and you scan it and it pays. So I can totally see that, just sort of fitting in seamlessly with the process. And the baristas at Starbucks will probably just think that you're using the Starbucks app, but really you're spending crypto using, I guess the Gemini dollar, which is their stable coin, to to make that conversion happen. So that's, that's
1: huge. This is huge because it's, if you wanna spend your crypto and actually use it, it's very difficult. I, I've, I've bought like lawn furniture and stuff for my house from Overstock.com. Overstock.com <laughs> is like the only like big retailer that accepts yeah. crypto. And, and a lot of times it's only Bitcoin, uh, but some, some it's weird on their site. Sometimes they let you use Shapeshift and EOS, but whatever. But with this Gemini, it, like I will legitimately, if I want to buy stuff, and because I hold a lot of my wealth in uh, crypto, EOS, Bitcoin, uh, more, more so than what's in my checking account actually, and if I want to buy it, like I am going to get, uh, I'm going to install the Flexa uh, uh, spending app and I'm going to have like a couple hundred bucks of Bitcoin on there at all times. And I'm going to use it because I want to use my crypto. Like, how? Why, why should I have to wait the five days to withdraw it from like Coinbase to my bank account just to use it for some groceries or some supplies at Home Depot? So it's just it's just going to be like a secondary checking account for me. I'm going to have this Gemini wallet checking account essentially. and Absolutely. Uh, well, I, and just I hope think, They the EOS. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, that's what I was going to say. I mean, once EOS is added on Gemini, I could totally see it being seamlessly added into this app so that then if you want to, you can spend your EOS at Starbucks or Home Depot or GameStop, wherever you may be shopping. So that, that's just awesome.
1: I, I guess, yeah, super awesome. And not, not, so we're talking about the Gemini dollar here a little bit, but we have, we have another uh, stable coin within EOS called Carbon USD. And yeah. I, I was at their event on Tuesday night, and I did not realize how big their team is. They had, like, uh, um, I, I don't want to – it was in the teens. It was in, like, the mid-teens of engineers oh, at wow. this event. So th- they have a legit team. And, like, uh, talking to them at the event, hearing their backgrounds, what they were doing before working for Carbon, like, they, they have a legit team. I didn't realize how big and established they were, and I didn't realize how many, like, uh, partnerships and integrations they have in the works. They have a lot of stuff going on. Uh, wow. and Yeah. uh, So I I got to say, when I was at the
0: EOS, I was at the EOS New York event, I think back in February or March. Anyway, whenever it was earlier this year, Carbon was there and they were one of the presenters and you could go up. They would give you three free Carbon in EOS links, which was pretty cool. And then you could go up and for two Carbon, you could buy one of the Carbon t-shirts. But I have to say that whole process, and this is probably thanks to EOS, but that whole process with sending a stable coin, with sending Carbon was totally seamless. I mean, it took me a second to make the transaction, and boop, I had my my shirt right there. So, uh, very cool. Yeah,
1: carbon. I I heard pro, from pro, so I, I I talked to the carbon team, but then I also talked to like independent teams who aren't on carbon who are integrating with carbon. And they're they're basically integrating to use it as like a fiat off ramp for like non crypto people because really you just you got to go through the KYC on the carbon app. And when I did that, I I I kind. I don't know the exact time frame, but I'm pretty sure my KYC got approved like within a few hours. Hmm. As, as far Run. as like an on and off ramp, you still have to wait the five days for the, uh, the transfers and stuff because it's typical banking. But the KYC was quick.
0: Definitely. And I think as a, an important note, if you're not actually moving those funds to your bank account or moving funds from your bank account into Carbon, you actually don't have to do KYC. Like when I got my free tokens, you can transfer those tokens around totally seamlessly without doing KYC as long as you're not depositing into your bank.
1: That That's true. And if you think about like what money is like, it's one of one of the uh, core, core uh, aspects of it is it's a medium of exchange. So if you think about like what you do with money is a lot of times it just goes back and forth. So I, I traveled here to New York w- with Peter Kay and Evan Schindler uh, from from Dappiness and everything EOS and like we're, we're like all paying t- different tabs for different things. It's like I paid for this, you paid for that. So it's just like a mo- bunch of money changing hands. And at the end right. of the day, we end up with like the same money we had in the first place. So if like if you're just using like uh, these stable coins for like a medium of exchange, like you never really have to like withdraw them because there's always a reason to use them like you you give them to people or if like it's at a a, once we're able to spend it at stores like we're we're talking about with the the gemini stuff like we might be a few years away till all of the stable coins are spendable at at most retailers but whenever that happens like there's no reason to ever really put it in your bank account at that point if you could actually spend it or 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 transfer it to other people which is already available so i'm bullish on stable coins that that's the one thing at consensus there last year like it was obvious it was the year of the stable coins so everyone was Kind of telling their stories about it. and it's true if it we're trying to hit a mainstream adoption here and to try to uh get people to understand crypto right away it's very difficult so a nice little baby step into crypto is teach them what programmable money is so they understand what a dollar is so you don't have to like worry about the volatility risks but they do learn about the programmability of it you could you could uh write into smart contracts you could include arbitration Uh, all kinds of stuff that we don't really need to get into because I hope our audience kind of understands what programmable money is. But I, I I do believe that that's going to be like, uh, commerce is going to be a lot done in stable coins, I think.
0: So a lot of cool people. It sounds like you met. You had Charles Hoskinson, the carbon Mm -hmm. team, a lot of people from EOS, the, the Gemini twins out there. It's pretty awesome. But was there anybody else you met that you wanted to mention?
1: So I don't even remember the project names. I'd have to go through like the business cards. I, I have in my like, bag But there's a lot of projects on EOS that I had no idea about like I, I feel like we're at like the the forefront of this I always think we know about all of the projects But there's some really really big ones that are, are like independently funded outside of EOS VC and they're legitimately using EOS smart contracts to run their businesses today. Uh, and I, I can go into more detail another time about some of the ones I met after I follow up with them and get more details. But there is a lot of activity going on. I will tell you that. Um, and they're projects I've never heard of. So wow. that, that's bullish to me that people from industry are seeing the potential here and in integrating. W- and some of them aren't even like uh, their users don't even like see the EO stuff. They're just... Uh, Handling it for like an audit trail in some instances. It's it's really cool. I'll get into it in another episode um, But besides that uh, I I actually met uh, I didn't meet them for the first time, but I, I spent a lot of time with the icon team uh, with the um, I'm gonna mess her name up but sabby I, I don't know how to say her name. I'm sorry She's uh, the CFO of icon and then Trey who, who I met uh, I met both of them in San Fran a couple times when I was out there but we, we talked a lot about ORID. Are, are you familiar with ORID, Rob? You have to be.
0: Oh, it, that's what uh, Everpedia uses, right? For their login system where you can log in with like Telegram or your phone number or other accounts?
1: Yeah, so like we always talk about user onboarding and how, how there's so much friction with it. You have to download a wallet. You gotta create a, a, a private public key and then you gotta like store your private key. And it's just like a lot for, for someone who just wants to play like a tic-tac-toe game or something to ask right. them to do. <laughs> Uh, but what, what ORID does is they, they take any OAuth sign-in, so like your Google sign-in, your Facebook sign-in, Twitter, LinkedIn, GitHub, Oh wow! There, there's like 20 of them. And you, you could create an account just with one click. So like Everipedia is a good example if you wanna actually see this and work. Uh, you basically go to Everipedia and you sign up using your any of those social accounts. You could use your, I don't know if you could use GitHub on Everipedia, but you'd click like your Facebook account and then it essentially creates like a, they, they have like this like private chain and it basically creates an account on their private chain and so it's like a free account and it completely abstracts the keys and all that stuff from you so that you don't even have to have scatter installed to create this wallet and you're able to store tokens in that wallet and you could eventually convert that wallet into a regular EOS wallet, and that's whenever you'd have to like install a scatter and, and store your uh, private key but it, it's super uh, like the most frictionless onboarding thing you could do and I, I knew that going into that I knew a, a lot about their project and, and I had met uh, Train the rest of his team before, but I never really asked about his background, and it was super, super, super impressive, man. Um, he, he worked for Microsoft for like 10 years, and while he was at Microsoft, he worked with like all these Wall Street guys and Goldman Sachs. Like, he worked directly wow. for like these senior people at Goldman Sachs while at Microsoft. So, he's like wow. super talented. Like, there's a lot of people in this space that have really, really uh, big pedigrees. Like we, we, we talk about the, like the, the really big dogs, like the Peter Thiel's and Eric Schmidt that we think might be involved right. with, with Block One and EOS and all this. But on the individual teams themselves, I mean like, just think of it, like Larry Sanger, like he, he founded Wikipedia. Like we have all these like yeah. big names, <laughs> it's building stuff. Crazy. So has been crazy.
0: speaking of people sorry. who are big names, building stuff, they're big in the community, oh. I heard that, is it true Nathan Rempel is joining the Liquid Apps team?
1: You, I, I saw you commented on it last night. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I heard about it about a week ago that that he was coming on board. This is like a huge catch, man. It's like we're we're like forming the dream team at at Liquid Apps right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, with myself, Peter K, Nat, who uh, anyone in the developer community probably knows who Nat is, but now Nathan Rempel, man, he's been on like every project. Like I I I feel like. It's almost impossible for him to have worked for so many projects, but he has. Like he, he founded Generos. He uh, developed the EOS Toolkit. If anyone's used that, he worked for Karma, Emanate. He he created uh, the, the, all the tools for airdrops DAC. He wow. worked with EOS Nation. He wrote the smart contract for uh, the Air Huddle, which is super cool.
0: Oh, is that is that happening? The, the Air Huddle you're talking about the Liquid
1: Apps Air Huddle, right? For the the ten percent airdrop that they're doing. Uh, what is oh. that happening? <laughs> Uh, th- there there should be some information on that soon. It's in the white paper. There is an air huddle, oh, okay. so a- anyone who's holding EOS, uh, will will be able to get uh, DAP tokens in an air huddle fashion. So I I guess tomorrow are on the topic, why don't we just explain what an air huddle is? Because outside of liquid apps, air hodl is a thing, and it's a really really cool distribution mechanism. That if, if you're planning to launch a token or you you have some sort of DAP with it with it. I guess with the token, I'll get back to that. Like this is a great way to incentivize people to hold it. You, you kind of want to explain what an air huddle even is?
0: Yeah, so my understanding of an huddle is basically the longer you hold your tokens and don't claim them from this huddle pool, the more tokens you'll get over time. So for example, if I had 100 EOS, um, I'm gonna get 10 of those actual DAP tokens. And if I hold them for, I think it's a period of two years, I'll get the full 10 plus my relative percentage of anybody that, that claimed them early. So. To give you an example, let's say a year went by, I had my five uh, DAP tokens vested from the air huddle. I could go ahead and pull them out and claim them, but then the other five that were gonna be mine after another year will go back into the pool to the people that wait. So it basically incentivizes you to huddle those tokens for as long as possible to get the biggest airdrop uh, that you can.
1: That's pretty much it. Uh, I don't don't wanna say too much because uh, I'm not at liberty to do so today. Uh, But PS, PS made a big announcement though. Speaking of announcements,
0: yeah, so Mel from Pios, and Pios, if you don't know, is is trying to make private untraceable transactions on EOS, and uh, just recently actually released their first bit of code to the jungle testnet. So there was a lot of speculation. You know, when there's an anonymous team and there's there's no code released yet, it's pure speculation on, you know, oh, I believe the team's going to deliver. I'm going to place a bet that the team is going to deliver in the market by buying some of those tokens. But now that some of the code has been released, uh, it, it seems clear that this team is actually building a real product. They are really trying to, to enable private untraceable transactions on EOS. So what we got today is basically 5% of what POS has promised so far. That's actually how they described it in this announcement is that, hey, this is exciting, but remember, this is only 5% of what we're doing. And essentially what they're doing is releasing a smart contract today on the jungle test net. It's out there right now to implement UTXOs on EOS for any EOS token. And a UTXO, for those that don't know, maybe you you haven't been in Bitcoin for a while, is an unspent transaction output. And uh, essentially what they're doing, you know, a lot of people talked about Everipedia releasing UTXOs, they were working on it for EOS, and they they went in detail here in this blog post about why Everipedia's model is actually mutable, it doesn't fully mimic UTXOs on Bitcoin and Monero and these other systems, and why they're building it now on the jungle testnet. So for those that are going, okay, well, what's the significance of this? You know, what does this mean for privacy? Essentially, this contract now enables... Uh, any token that's using it to do coin join transactions and coin join is another method where you sort of combine a bunch of transactions from people and spit out transactions to your wallet at the end um, it's it's one privacy mechanism that exists on bitcoin today to sort of keep your bitcoin private assuming you use it correctly so this is the first piece of code released on the jungle Testnet from the POS team that enables those utxos but then they're built in the proper way so that coin join and ring signatures and all these other things can actually be built on top of that UTXO structure. So this is super, super wow. exciting. And one of the side benefits is that you can actually send a transaction using UTXOs without having an EOS account. So if we talked about OR ID, sort of, you know, storing your key in a, a separate database. This actually allows you to send a transaction just using that public and private key. So that's pretty exciting as well. But that's I wanted big. to... Yeah, it's, it's, really I'm just big. excited because I think a lot of you know out there, I've been super bullish on POs basically placing this bet that the team is going to deliver, that they are going to come out with this technology. So to see this code working on the jungle testnet now sort of confirms that. It's it's only 5% of the, the whole goal that they're trying to do. But they did say an update uh, at the end. I just want to read this uh, word for word With this source code release, we hope to have provided great insight to developers working on EOS smart contracts. And then in bold, I can't stress enough that this is not the POS tech promised in the white paper. This is 5% of it. Although this is not our wallet implementation, a special post is coming next just for that. The command line wallet tool in this repo is just for testing the UTXO contract and was never intended to be close to user-friendly. So this is kind of like a bonus from the POs team wow. where they saw Everipedia working on UTXOs and said, wait a minute, you're not doing it in the correct way. We're going to come in and do it in a proper way so that we can build all this privacy tech on top of it. And now it's released for free, which is something that Everipedia hasn't done yet as well. So huge congrats to the POs team. Another update from Pios as well in addition to the burn, we all saw EOS New York's post about decentralizing token contracts, where eventually the goal could be to take your token contract, right, the POS token, and take the permissions of that contract, which allow you to Um, You know, come in, make changes, update things, and actually give those permissions to the block producers by assigning it to the EOSIO account. And Pios has, has announced their intention to do that as well. So once all of the tech is released on Jungle and then on Mainnet and everything is working properly later this year, I believe that's scheduled for Q3 of this year, uh, they are going to go and decentralize their token control so that they no longer have any control over the smart contract and they will give uh, control essentially to the network so that, you know, if there's an emergency in the future, the BPs could go in and, and make a change. But ultimately, no one will have control over that smart contract and it will be truly decentralized, which is super exciting. And I hope more uh, token contracts will follow in their
1: footsteps. And the, is there, their teams completely ano- are still completely anonymous or are completely anonymous, right? Completely so th- anonymous, yeah. This that's a great way to legitimize and add trust to a team that's anonymous because like with on anonymity you you always like have that fear in the back of your mind like I don't know who these guys are like they they, like with EOS you could update a contract like there there is a risk there so by doing that that's like the best case scenario so I approve that I applaud that Um, absolutely speaking of teams delivering I'll I'll just make a quick note Eva. Eva.coop. If you want to visit their uh, website, they're a ride-sharing platform just like Uber, built on top of EOS. And they actually launched. uh, They did their official launch in the city of Montreal uh, a couple of days ago. So there are literally people in Montreal, Canada, uh, and Quebec, I think Montreal, Quebec, Canada, like hailing rides on a ridesharing platform powered by EOS where there's EOS tokens being swapped in the back end completely <laughs> abstracted from the users. Uh, and so it says, I, I just have the press release here. There was like a news article yeah. about it, but it was in French and I couldn't, and the Google translate wasn't really good, but I do have a quote and we could get into EVA on another episode. Uh, I highly recommend you look them up. Um, we're almost running out of time here because i got to check out of this place. But uh, the quote is, for the passenger, it's the same price. But for the driver, it's advantageous because we charge 15% of the fare compared to 25% at Uber. And that was their uh, Darden Asufi, who's their co-founder and operations manager, that said that. And it also says here that they'll be launching in Quebec, uh, Quebec City in the end of July. So they're going to be wow. in two different cities. They're rolling out like they're doing these like test markets and they, they, it's decentralized, but they have like this model. I'm, I, I I'm going to do a bad job at explaining it, but it, it to me, it's like a franchise model where basically someone picks up the franchise in a city and then they're the ones that have to deal with like all the local regulations and stuff. And right. there's like a compensation model baked into it and it's all tokenized and everything. And it's decentralized because each city would be like, a, it's almost like a DAC where each city's like its own organization work, working on top of this platform. Uh, yeah. But, Uh, I
0: know know he called out 25% on Uber, and maybe that's the way it is in Canada, but I know in the U.S. that Uber actually takes 45% of the driver's fare. So essentially, uh, EVA is taking only 33%. They're taking 66% less than Uber is taking, which is pretty cool to see.
1: So he was being he was being nice to Uber. And Uber yeah. actually just IPO'd the other week and they had like one of the worst like <laughs> dates of, of in history to run an IPO. But they yeah. still like are, are multi billion dollar company. So like this is a huge market share here. And Eva They're they're, they're successful if they can even get a tiny sliver of that market share and they have a revenue model which is I, I love to see companies with actual business models and revenue models in place because that's the only way you're going to guarantee longevity of all of these projects like Uh, You have to have a a business model, and and this is a great example of that, and I I can't wait to learn more. We'll actually have to talk about them more on another episode because um, I I don't think they get enough attention. um, we've, we've, We've mentioned them before, but we should be mentioning them more frequently because they are boots on the ground getting shit done. Um, but we, we only have a little bit of time left, so you mentioned EOS New York and their uh, Decentralizing Token Proposal, they're on, they always put out these, we talk about them so much, it's like every episode we're talking about an EOS New York proposal, so props yeah. to those guys for being thought leaders on this. Absolutely. Uh, they put out a piece and a referendum recently, like just a couple days ago, on voter incentives, so do you want to yeah. take a stab at explaining the proposal? So
0: I like this a lot. Essentially, what EOS New York is is proposing is, you know, there's currently that 4% inflation that exists right now, and then there's 1% inflation that goes to paying BPs. And what EOS New York is saying is, instead of reducing that 4% inflation all the way down to zero, let's move it back to 1% or maybe half a percent or quarter percent, Um, and essentially use that as a voter incentive. But what I like so much about this, and I tweeted them this, is that this is a non-biased voter incentive, which means regardless of who you vote for, regardless of which proxy you vote for, if you wanna pick your own VPs, however you vote, you will earn part of this reward, assuming this is implemented. So that's what I love. I love that it's not, hey, you have to vote for, you know, these three VPs or this proxy in order to unlock that reward and get it. It's totally non-biased, which should just increase overall general voter participation, which I think would be an amazing thing for the network. Now, when it comes to the specifics, they had some interesting variables based on the amount of people voting relative to the total token supply would change the rate um, at which you receive rewards. Like the the less people voting, you obviously get more rewards. The more people voting, you obviously get less rewards because it's split up amongst those people. So those specific components, I think, might be able to be simplified where maybe it is just a flat 1% or a half a percent and then sort of it would automatically give you more without actually having to dynamically adjust that inflation rate. For example, if only 25% of people are voting and claiming that 1% reward, it's basically like they're getting a 4% reward. Whereas if 50% of people are voting, then it's like a 2%. You know, if 100% of people are voting, you get the flat 1%. So I think there might be a way to simplify the specifics, but overall, in terms of an idea, and in terms of a non-biased voter incentive, I love the idea, and and I hope something like this gets passed, assuming that that reward, that incentive, is still non-biased, and you can vote for any block producer you choose.
1: So I don't know, I don't think this, like there is a referendum for this. Uh, We will put the link in the description. It only has 215,000 EOs uh, voting for it currently but it's got a 99% approval rate right now. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, like I don't think that this is like a, a final product. I think this is more or less like public opinion, like exactly what we're exactly. doing. Exactly. Uh, is get public opinion and then iterate and then re-propose it in, in, a, in a way that uh, it, it, it just gets better with the, each iteration. Um, the, the thing I liked is that they pointed something out that uh, not a whole lot of people talked about. And so there is like, uh, for the longest time there was no incentive for voting but then rex came out recently and rex if you're voting for 21 block producers and you're staking to rex you are getting about a one percent uh annual apr on your eos that's staked which is great for the people who aren't actually using their eos tokens for their utility and are renting them out to other people but what about the people or the daps what about the developers who actually own the eos they're voting they're staking but they're they're not being compensated through REX because they're not renting their tokens, they're actually using their tokens. So what I liked about this proposal is that th- they, they specifically called that out and said, we got to take care of these guys. These are the most important people on the entire network. They're the ones using the tokens and, and we want them to hold the tokens. We don't want them to just use the REX. The REX is great for for, for the short term. It's super cheap, but over time, the rent rates are going to go up and, and the ownership's going to go up. So we want... Uh, the projects who are in it for the long haul, and sitting on their big stacks of EOS tokens, we want them to, to be compensated in the same way as everyone else who's using Rex. So Definitely. this is a, a great way to do that, because like you said, it, it no matter what you're doing, right now it doesn't have any thresholds of voting, it, you, you could vote for one person, uh, proxy, and that's all open for debate right now, and that's why we're talking about it. But I, I, really, I really like that. Um, and I, you said you don't like the dynamic inflation, but I, I kind of do like it. And I, I guess I'll try to explain it a different way is, um, so they just gave an example here. All of these percentages, I think, are just uh, I like rough ideas examples. and yeah. examples and they could be modified. But the example they gave is if, if like there would be a two percent uh, inflation like incentive bonus uh, for a certain range of vote percentage. So like right now. What percentage of the main that's voting, roughly, Rob? I know about 50% staked, but I don't know the percent voting. We just I think it's about
0: there. 25% of all tokens are voting right now.
1: So, yeah. So the examples they gave here is like 75% and 90%, which I think they maybe gave those examples so that we knew they weren't like serious percentages because that's right? that would really be amazing. 90 if 90% get- would mean everyone's voting except block one.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, but the example they gave is like if less people are voting, the the percentage inflation is higher because they want to incentivize people to vote, and then as the voting pool gets bigger and bigger and bigger, at a, eventually a point triggers where the compensation actually goes down. That way, the more people that vote, the less compensation there is. That way, it's it's like um, it's like a check and balance. So, like if the vote if people stop voting, we have voter apathy, and the voter pool shrinks, shrinks, shrinks then eventually, it's it's kind of like the mining difficulty on Bitcoin. Eventually, if the hash power shrinks, the difficulty goes down, so it's cheaper to create Bitcoins. Whereas right. on here, if the voting pool goes down, they get compensated more, which incentivizes more voters to come in, so that you should See? never hit the bottom range.
0: I really like that, but my point before was just that I think we can accomplish that same dynamic inflation by only having a set amount of inflation. So if, if that 1% inflation is, you know, uh, what would that be, 10 million EOS, if there are only 25% of tokens voting, those 25% of people are splitting this big pool of 10 million EOS. And as more and more people continue to vote, you know, obviously your piece of that pool gets a little bit smaller. So you are incentivized, I think, in a, a simpler model like that um, to still vote when there are less people voting because you're going to get a bigger piece of the pie. But regardless of how it's implemented, um, I, I agree. I like that sort of I, okay. uh, I guess tiered incentive. I just think it could be simplified by keeping the inflation the same so it doesn't have to be this dynamic thing where people are like, what's the inflation rate? Well, depending on the day, <laughs> it's, you know, 1% to 3%. We could just keep it simple and and still reward people when there are less people voting.
1: So what you're saying is, uh, I, I don't know what the percentage would work out to, but let's say every block... 100 EOs are distributed across the whole network. It'd be probably more right. than that. And you're saying that 100 EOs, blo- every block, that 100 EOs, for, and it's not, isn't a real number, would be distributed amongst all of the voters. So the less voters there are, the more EOs you would get out of that 100. Exactly. And then, okay, I, I like that. And then,
0: yeah. yeah, and suddenly if there are way more people voting, then you're getting a less P, so you're a little less incentivized to vote as there's this huge voter Participation, so it's still sort of that that tiered uh, voter incentive, but by keeping inflation simple and keeping it at a static rate.
1: I would love to keep talking about this, Rob, but I just want to point out we have never missed a single podcast in fifteen or so months that we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> Doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing, we do not miss a damn thing. I yeah. am literally checking out of this Airbnb in like ten minutes but we wanted to record it this morning because we wanted to get it edited and we wanted to get it out to everyone on time and we're doing it like we always do it. We always deliver. Come to us uh, May 31st in Washington, D.C. Join us there. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Vote for Cypherglass. Uh, what What else, Rob? Anything else before we close out?
0: Uh, I think just a big go EOS, of course, but we'll save that for the end, see if we can match it up again. I think I think we matched it up last week for the first time. So
1: We, we did. Uh, I think
0: that's all I have. Be sure to RSVP EOS.io slash B1June if you're coming to that May event. It looks like we may be running out that entire space because so many people have RSVP, more than 140, and some special guests as well.
1: So it's an event that you don't want to miss. We, we do have some very special guests. I've looked over Ooh. the RSVP Ooh. list. We've got some big names coming, everybody. I don't want to give away excited. any spoilers. Uh, but we got some big stuff coming in, and I guess we're plugging the event. We could plug the EOS.io developer courses. If you're thinking at all about building smart contracts on EOS.io, if you're already a developer, or even if you're not, it'll be a little bit harder. But if you are a developer already and you want to learn to do smart contracts, go to everythingeos.io, front slash dev, sign up for our developer courses. We already have 314 students enrolled from <laughs> like 30 different countries. It's huge. Nice. Uh, it's so awesome watching everyone's progress on there, but come join us. Um, that was another cool thing. I didn't even get to mention it. I missed it in the notes. But when we were at that event, at the Carbon event, I met probably seven different people who are enrolled in the course. And they, they recognize really? Pete and they're like, I'm, ta- I'm in your course. I'm learning EOS from you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's so awesome. So, I love that real developers are out there actually using this course that will then likely go on to build real EOS apps. So it'll be interesting, you know, a couple months, maybe a year from now, to see like, oh wow, that DApp that's launching. Those developers actually took the Everything EOS Developer Course, and that's how they were able to
1: build it. So I, I just love it. I think it's great. Always delivering here at Everything EOS. But I've literally got to go. Uh, so <laughs> let, let's try to time it up once again. I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch, and this and this is Everything, is Everything Eos. Eos. Go EOS. Go EOS. Woo! See you next week. All right.